If it's your first time here, you're very welcome. Good to see. I know there's a couple of first-time visitors. Ah, that's all good. Uh, just a couple of announcements. Uh, some of you may or may not know this. Catherine, um, mummy passed away this week, so her funeral was on Friday, so our thoughts and prayers are with Catherine and her family. So if you see her, give her a big hug and squeeze her and pray for her and all that stuff. So she spoke on, on her mummy's funeral and did so good on, on Friday morning. So there's quite a, quite a few of us out that. So continue to pray for her. A couple of things as well. We were live on Radio 4 this morning. Anybody listen to it? Who was up really early? Just one, just Neil. That's it. That's, that's, welcome to Journey Community Church. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, it's funny. Um, my phone, um, the phone here in the, in the church building goes through to my, my mobile phone at the weekend. So uh, at five past nine, my phone started ringing this morning. It was all these people ringing from all over the UK going, that was amazing. Thank you so much. I have a couple of emails in as well. There was one lady who uh, runs a mission in Scotland, listened to the message that I gave about good deeds and that. And so we're like, you know, we were avoiding all of that because we thought that was bad. And now we've had a whole rethink. So anyway, there's a whole, whole squad of them. So if you were here on Thursday night, um, uh, you, you really enjoyed a really good night. So thanks to everybody who was involved in all of that. And David Walker, who's here, him and his dad, and, and Bert Tosh. So thank you guys for that opportunity. Um, don't underestimate that. BBC Radio 4, that's the national, that's the national Sunday service. So um, I'm hoping the King listened this morning. I know the Queen left, listened every Sunday, but I'm not sure whether the King. So Charles, hopefully he was listening and uh, heard about doing good deeds to his neighbours, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> anyway, we're starting a new series this morning called uh, Normal. Um, um, how many of you know that... Uh, hey, can I put your hand up? Anybody here normal? Just my wife. She's probably the most normal person I know. <laughs> the rest of us, we're all nuts, all right? We're starting a new series, Normal, and I suppose um, every now and again, whenever I get a, you know, when God begins to speak to you about something, it kind of burns in you, so um, this is one of these ones that I don't have any notes for, so hold on to your breeches, all right? Um, but uh, um, I remember uh, hearing a joke one time about a, a Sunday school speaker asked a, a young girl in her, in her, in her class, um, are you a Christian? She says, no, miss, I'm normal. And uh, I think that's probably a little bit of an indictment on society or where we go. But uh, um, there's a very bit of um, Bible um, going to be read out this morning. But um, I, I wonder if you ever thought about what it means to be perfect, normal, and abnormal. Perfect, normal, and abnormal. Anybody perfect in this room? There's my wife again. <laughs> it, uh, anyway, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis for, for the next couple of weeks. And... Um, there's, there's quite a lot here, but I think it's important that we read it to give build a little bit of context. So hopefully it'll appear on the screen. Uh, we're starting off, um, this is about the fall, the fall of man. Now the serpent was more crafty than the wild animals and the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God said, you must not eat fruit from that tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. And you have to understand the, the, the context here. In fact, what, what God said to them was, do nothing. You can, you can eat all of these other trees. See that one? Just don't touch it. Do nothing. Leave it alone. Don't touch it. That's really important to understand that context whenever we see that. This wasn't, this wasn't something that Adam and Eve could have been tempted in because they were in perfection. But they had this tree that was, there was nothing. It was, just leave it alone. Don't touch it. Has any ever said, don't touch that? to your kids and what happens it's like who goes to a restaurant and the, the waiter sets the plate down and says that plate's really hot 
What's the first thing you do? <laughs> like, like, we can't help ourselves, can we? He says, if you, do, you must not touch it or you will die. Yeah, like the plates in the restaurant. Uh, you will certainly, um, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Everybody say good and evil. The woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable to gain wisdom. She took some of it and ate it. She gave some to her husband, like every good wife feeds her husband. Amen? Amen. <laughs> who, who, who was with her and he ate it. The eyes of both of them were opened. Everybody say opened. And they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put me here with, she gave me some of the fruit of the tree, and I ate it like every good wife. It's, it's, it's our wife's fault that we're all overweight, right? And the Lord God said to the woman, what is it you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done, uh, done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all white animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat the dust all the days of your life. And I will put um, enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will... He, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains of childbearing very severe. I'm sorry about that. Um, and the pain of labor, you will give birth to your children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Sorry. Uh, to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and he ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you. You must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it and all the days of your life. It will be produce thorns and thistles and you eat. Anyway, you get the picture. I'm going to move to the next chapter. So we're, we're going to the next page. Okay. Uh, one thing, God put them out of the garden. It's just important you know that. God, because of what they did, God removed them out of that particular part of the garden. And then we, we jump to the next, the next chapter where we read the story of Cain and Abel. This is, this is Adam and Eve's son and daughter, or son and, two sons, okay? Not son and daughter, two sons. Adam made love to his wife and then she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, he's brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain bought some fruit, fruits of the soil and offered them to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering. Fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Everybody say, very angry. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you hungry? Why are you angry? Why are you hungry? Maybe I'm hungry. I don't know. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will not be accepted. But if you do not do what is right, Listen to this, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, and you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go into the field. While they were there in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied, am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. 
Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opens its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, you will no longer yield its crops for you. From this day on, listen to this, you will be known as a restless wanderer on the earth. Everybody say restless wanderer. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny picture, and I want to set a little bit of context as, as we go along. Um, Adam and Eve were one of two of three perfectly created human beings, okay? Well, Adam and Eve, I'm of Jesus, okay? They are the only people who ever knew and tasted perfection. Except me, my wife, she's, she's perfect, all right? She's as close to that as they come. And, uh, and, and you've got to understand what was going on here. So Adam and Eve had pretty much that. Um, this is actually the normality that God wanted us to have. He created this incredible world, give it to, to it in that way, and that was, that was the way that he meant it to be. And many of you know that, that in, the, in the last days when Jesus comes back, that actually he will reestablish Eden. And, and if, you, if you think you're going to heaven, you know all those old songs, we're going to heaven, you, you might have that slightly wrong because what's actually going to happen is we will get this new earth and heaven's going to come from heaven down onto the earth and there'll be a new city where God will dwell. It, it, it's, its map will be laid out. There'll be 144,000 rulers, but it will sit on the earth and in their morning, noon, and night, they'll be singing holy, holy, holy. There'll be 24-hour worship and you'll be able to go from your little house in your new perfect state, and you'll be able to go to the throne room of heaven, and you can enter in there, and you can worship day and night. The streets are golden. They've got jewels. It's an incredible place to visit. But this idea of cherubims and, you know, the Simpsons God, anybody know what I'm talking about? An angry God with a white beard and a white staff sitting on a throne on a pink fluffy cloud? Okay, that's probably not the right picture. So if you've got that picture of God in your mind, you, you need to go and get a theological check, Okay. All right, but, but that's the picture that we have. And, and, and we have this picture of this heavenly picture of, of, of where we're going to. But actually, you will die once and then you will be raised up and then you'll be standing before Christ. And at that point, we will go on into a new heaven and a new earth. And it will be like what Eden was meant to be like, where we will walk in the, in the cool of the day and the night with the Lord, we will have perfect peace and all fear and doubt and worry and all the stuff that goes on, perfection will be returned. Everybody know that? Okay. Everybody say, the right normal. Okay, good. All right. In there, Adam and Eve were perfectly accepted. Everybody say, perfectly accepted. Why, why is that so important in perfectionism? Because there was nothing in Adam and Eve, nothing, that God could have rejected. But you need to know something. It, Adam and Eve in their disobedience, out of an act of love, disobeyed God. And out of that, God broke relationship with them. Perfect acceptance was broken. They knew perfect love. We've never known perfect love since that day to this, until Jesus came on the cross. And I'll talk more about that in a second. They were now, in, in that moment, they had perfect relationship. They had a perfect relationship with God, a perfect relationship with each other, and they had a perfect relationship with themselves. Now, why, why is that important? Well, because how many of you know God's a God of trinities? It's actually been mind-boggling when you study scripture, how many trinities that we have. Do you know you're a trinity? Your mind, spirit, and body. You know that, right? 
Many of you know a day is a trinity? You, you know that, right? 24 hours a day, eight hours of work, eight hours of play, and eight hours of sleep. Anybody getting eight hours of sleep? Mike and Rana definitely aren't. And, uh, and, and we've all of these trinities that we've never ever thought about. There's, there's endless amounts of them. But there's a real important trinity, the greatest commandment of all. Love your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and love your neighbor, that's you, that's all of you, as your... The Bible goes on to say that if you do not forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father cannot forgive you. That trinity of relationships is incredibly important as we set up this normal series. Because as Christians, we've worked incredibly hard to build our relationship with God. And most Christians I speak to will come and say to me, yeah, my relationship with God's pretty good. But they're not the relationships that we actually have to sometimes spend a long time figuring it out. How's the relationship with the people that you don't like? What about your parents or your, your siblings or, 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 or your family? More to the point, what about yourself? How's your relationship with yourself? Anybody talk to themselves? Anybody? I always say in order to have a good conversation, I have to have a conversation with myself. And, and talking to yourself is healthy. We, I talk to God and I talk to myself and I, sometimes I get mixed up. Anybody do that as well? It's like, I shouldn't, but you do. It's like, am I having a conversation with God or myself right now? No, I think God's having a conversation with me, which is usually where it always lands. But we've got this trinity of relationships and imperfection in the PA state, perfect acceptance. Adam and Eve knew this relationship with God. They loved each other and they loved themselves. And then we have this problem. They, 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 knew, they knew life they knew life pure and without sin. They knew life was eternal. They were going to live forever. And they had this incredible picture. And that's the norm that God desired for us. But then Eve had to go and ruin the party. <laughs> and now we have this thing called the fall. There should be a slide will come up there. Hopefully it'll come up. And we have... We have now entered the world something incredibly important that took place at the fall. You see, as well as all the Satan stuff and all of that, and we go in, um, just put that slide up there, whoever, Jordan, I think, whoever's up there, Jennifer, somebody, the one of the fall, broken love. And um, now, now Adam and Eve have, have experienced a whole bunch of new things. They now know rejection, all right? They, they know rejection. Anybody know rejection? Anybody never been rejected? If you haven't, you're some pup. <laughs> they, they can no longer experience perfect love. Perfect love's broken and they have, they have this weird stuff. They are now broken relationally between God, each other, and themselves. They're no longer pure and they're now with sin. And more importantly, death has entered physically, spiritually, and emotionally. There's been a devastation has taken place. And, and we have this incredible um, thing that begins to take place inside of them that we call broken love. The church for a long time has spent a long time talking about people's sin. And, and we've really concentrated on, for the last maybe 100 years theologically, on our sin. Now, you should be concentrating on your sin. But what I've discovered is that sin often is a byproduct, a symptom 
of broken love. And, and instead of co- concentrating on the broken love bit, we've concentrated on the sin bit. So if I, if I just act a little bit better, try and get a hold of that, the sin will go away. But what if that has actually been wrong? What if I've been doing that wrong? Just keep that other slide up for me for a second. What if, what, what if because of our relationships that actually there's something that God's trying to do in us in this what I'm going to call new normal, okay? Because no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard you try, is there anybody perfect? Bar my wife. I'm dead. <laughs> we can try all we like, but we can never meet the standard. Now, here's what we do in church. I wasn't the brightest person at school. Anybody with me? Okay. My wife, she was, all right? I'm dead. <laughs> but let's just say in an exam, the pass mark was 70, okay? And you get 69 and I got three, which is likely to happen, all right? Have we both failed? Can the person with 69% in the exam say to me, I'm better than you. And yet, what do we do? And we've forgotten something about the nature of this new normal. Now, what, what, why, why am I saying this to you? Because it's important that I set all of that up. Go to that next slide for me, Jennifer. Thank you. You see, what's taking place now is this new normal has got two elements inside of it. Okay? Uh, we, we know that when they ate the fruit that they received the knowledge of good and evil. Now, I want to show you something because if you get this, you'll kind of understand me a bit better. Perfection is the mark. Good and evil, both are a product of the fall. Now, you've spent your, most of your life trying to be what? Good. But both of those don't match perfection. Both of those are a result of the fall. Good will never be good enough for perfection. And it's important that you grab hold of this, otherwise this talk is going to go south very quickly. What if good and evil, it was never what God had planned for us? And you can be good as gooder, as I used to say when you were a kid. Or worse or worser. Worser. But the reality is, both of these are our new normal. And into this, we now are in conflict. Anybody in conflict with themselves? Who talks themselves about their conflicts? You know? Do you remember when Tom and Jerry used to have a wee angel and demon would go on your shoulder? Okay, I'll do that. No, 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 don't do that. It feels like that sometimes. We've got both of this in. But not just good and evil, we've got right and wrong. Here's another one for you. Pain and pleasure. Do you know pain and pleasure are the, are the, the primary emotions that a baby's born with? Because they don't know any of this other stuff. We teach them that. The primary emotions of pain and pleasure, how do you know that? Well, Rihanna's got a little one there. Fill her full of milk. What happens? I'm drunk milk. Happy. Pleasurable. But if she's hungry, what happens? And every parent knows that cry. Who can still tell when you hear a baby cry and you can tell the difference in the cries? 
Yeah, yeah. When you've had it, you, you get that. Oh, that's a hungry cry. Oh, that's a pain cry. You just kind of sixth sense. And for all you people having babies, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but, but you have this thing. Oh, okay, there's pain. So we've got this pain and pleasure. We've got love and hate. We've got just and unjust. We've got righteous and self-righteous. And we've got positive and negative. And we have to now somehow in this new normal live with all of this. How's that going for y'all? <laughs> you see, if the quest is perfectionism, which for the most part it is, any, any, any perfectionist here? Where are you? Uh-huh. My wife. I need to stop. <laughs> But perfectionists, there's a standard that, that is very difficult to meet because the bar's so high. Anybody have perfectionist parents where the bar was so high you could never get over it? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And now with more conflict. Well, how do we deal with some of this stuff? How do we, how do we deal? How, how, what's the answer to this problem? Just go on to the next slide there for us, Jennifer. Thanks. Well, the fall also produced some other things, okay? And I want to paint this picture for you because it's really important. Um, at the fall, there was an issue. God retracted himself from mankind and created a void or a gap, all right? And, and that void of that separation, the moment that love broke in the garden, which was the moment Eve ate of the fruit, we now have this incredible void and into the void is everything that is not from God. And what I've discovered about the void is that the void likes more void. And it doesn't matter what you fill that void with. You can fill it with whatever you like. You will never satisfy the void. Except with one thing, which I'll get to in a second. And the void speaks from within. When that moment took place in the Garden of Eden and love broke and God separated, there was an instant, obvious set of circumstances took place, uh, took place in Adam and Eve. What were that? Well, what's the first thing we see? Well, they hid, so we see shame. Now, I want to ask you a question. This is important. Is shame a sin? Hmm. They, they started to fight with each other and, and, and they got rejected. They, they felt the rejection. But all of a sudden, we see the affect of broken love. But we haven't seen the affect of sinfulness yet. It's important that you understand that. It's all sinful, big S, okay? Sinfulness, okay? That, that big S, that capital S, covers all of this. But we haven't seen the affect of what took place in the garden coming out in essence as sin, like, like small, small s. And the small s we don't see until the next generation. When Cain came along and murdered his brother. Now, thankfully, I've got two children that haven't managed to, to murder themselves, each other yet. Anyway, might come. Aaron might murder me. I'm trying to teach her how to drive at the minute. <laughs> no, be fair, be fair. We, we tried, didn't work. Rachel took her out, taught her the basics. She's doing well now. Went out yesterday. We, we, we only near crashed twice. 
but she's getting much better. Is she here? Is she probably, yeah, she's up top, thank goodness. All right. And, uh, and, uh, and, and she, we're, we're, lear- we're learning a lot about patience, so we are. The Lord's teaching me some things. But, but you've, you've, you've Adam and Eve now who, who are in this place, and now you see Cain and Abel, and Cain murdered his brother. And when we read in the text, it said this, in your anger, sin is crouching at your door. That broken love created a negative emotion called anger, and the unresolved anger put right meant that Cain murdered his brother. Are you with me? Now, you'll look at the sin and go, well, he murdered his brother. He's going to go to jail for that. That's right. There's the justice kicking in. But what if we spent a long time trying to take care of the sinfulness when actually God wants us to take care of the love in order to help us become more normal? And who wouldn't like a little bit of more normal in their life? Have you ever thought yourself abnormal? Anybody thought of themselves abnormal? Yeah. We, we all feel it, don't we? So how do we get normal in this new state of having to deal with all these things? Well, you see, you've got negative and positive emotions. We've got negative relationships. Anybody get any of them? Anybody got a positive relationship? Thank goodness, okay. Uh, we've got these, they've got negative bits with God and positive bits with God, negative bits with each other, negative bits with self, positive bits. We, we, how many of you got a negative outlook in life? Anybody? Cain, my soul is downcast. He was depressed. He had a negative outlook in life. Why? Because love broke inside him. And how many, buddy, who's, where's the positive outlookers? Where's all my Americans? Come on. <laughs> For the most part. Put your hands up if you're a positive outlooker in life. Uh-huh. Look, look at the people that don't have their hands up and say, why are you so depressed? <laughs> Tell them, why is your face so downcast? Something else took place. They, 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 now, they now went from being sighted where they, they could see love to being blinded. And they're now conflicted from having no conflict. Many of you ever felt conflicted in this new battle? And then, of course, we have subnormative. Just flick that next slide up. We're going to go quick through these, okay? There is 114... References to every sin in the scripture. I apologize ahead of time for not being able to announce or pronounce some of these words. You ready? Abominable, addiction, adultery, anxiety. Everybody say anxiety. Nobody in this church has that. Apathy, argumentative, bigotry, backbiters. Everybody say backbiters. Ooh, none of them here either. Bitterness, blasphemous. Okay. Sorry, let me just... Go ahead. Boasters, calling people a fool. No, I'm not sure about this one. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm not sure about that one, okay? <laughs> Where do you hear this one? Cheating. You ready for this one? Chronic lateness. <laughs> we need to have an appeal right now. If you struggle with this sin and want you to stand to your feet, we need to pray for you. <laughs> Course joking. Uh, covetousness, criticism, debate. I'm not sure about that one anyway. Deceit, depression, despiteful. Defilers, disobedient. 
dissension, divorce, except through sexual immorality, drunkenness, I'm not going to pronounce that one because I get it wrong, emulation, there you go, ambitious or, or endeavor to equal or excel others, envy, evil thoughts, fearful, foolish talk, fornication, greed, gluttony, haters of God, hatred, heresies, homosexuality, hypocrisy, idolatry, immorality, implacable, got a few of those around here, can't stay calm, can you? Inventors of evil things, a few of them around here as well, I don't know Jealousy, somebody pronounce this for me, lasciviousness, I asked Ian what that meant beforehand, he had to go look it up. Uh, lawless, lust, lying, maliciousness, ungodly, malignant, malignant, yeah, malignant, anyway, whatever it is, materialism, murder, negative, nobody's that around here, are you? Remember those, where's those downcast faces? Neglecting God's word, neglecting prayer, no concern for the lost, real important one. Do you know, you know the church has lost its concern for the lost? It's actually, there's, there's a lot of reports getting written at the moment as to why that took place. For some weird reason, COVID did a weird thing on us. Across the church, we, we move from thinking about other people to thinking about ourselves. And we, we need, God needs to break our hearts again. If, if, listen to me. If you've no concern for the lost, you need to go and have a talk to Jesus. Start by talking to yourself first though. You need to talk to yourself before you've got to go to God. Get the thing right. Figure it out. No faith, no trust in God, non-repentance, not honoring your father and mother. Wow. Occult involvement, passivity, pornography, prejudice, pride, purging, perjuring, perjuring. Anyway, it's a dyslexic, you see. Procrastination. Everybody say procrastination. <laughs> Just say that again. Let me think about that. <laughs> Profanity, quenching the Holy Spirit, rebellion to authority. Nobody around here do that, would there? <laughs> Resentment, seditions, selfishness, slander, sloth, speaking, obscenity, stealing, strife, unbelief. Do you want me to keep going? Oh, you're loving this. <laughs> Unbelieving, uncleanness, unforgiving, unmerciful, unrighteousness. Unholy, vanity, variance, whispering, gossipy. Hey, everybody say gossipy. gossipy. Hmm. That shouldn't have been in there. Where do we go? Oh, jump backwards to the forwards. Unholy, vanity, variance, whispering, gossipy. Wickedness, witchcraft. Without natural affection, without understanding, sorry, hermongers, that's a Greek direct translation. <laughs> we any of them here? Put your hand up. Watch this one, workaholic. This is in the Bible. We any workaholics around here? Do you know you're actually meant to rest for eight hours a day and then rest on the seventh day? If you're not doing that, you're living in sin. Any workaholics? Says he works 90 hours most week. Wrath. Subnormative. 
These are all the things that if we can't fix the broken love inside of us to figure out a normal life, these are all the things that will take over our lives. How many of you struggled with at least five of those in that list? <laughs> 10? 50? <laughs> Who, seriously, who's sitting out there going, well, I'm not as bad at that one? <laughs> Come on, who did it? Fess up. I'm not as bad on that one there. I don't do that hermongering thing. Do you know there's not a difference between those things? Because it's not about the sinfulness, it's about the broken love. This is why when Jesus came back, he said, first Adam royally messed it up. I'm the second Adam. And he fixed the void. And he closed the void down when love was broke because in the Old Testament, the only way they could fix that relationship was by sacrifice and obedience. Do you think God was trying to teach the Israelites about obedience and sacrifice because of what happened in the garden? The Israelites had the hokey-cokey going on. All right? It's like the, you put the fun foot in. And you, they were in and out of God's kingdom all the time. And then Jesus came back, who, by the way, was always plan A. If you have a theology where you think that God wasn't in all of this, you need to go back and have a long, hard look at yourself. Because Jesus was always plan A. Now, that creates a whole bunch of discussion that for about nine years I wrestled with. How could a good God cause all that? And yet, he did. I'm going to say something that if, you, if you're a theologian or you're a thinker, will, will mess your life, life up for the next six months. God plays both sides of the chessboard. He's in this and he's in this. I'll, I'll prove it to you. Here's one Bible passage. Remember Moses? Who was a, a, a stuttering fool? And God said, I want you to go to Pharaoh, go against the most powerful man in the country, and I want you to ask him to let six million of his slaves go. Moses, scared of his wit, said, can I bring a pal? Because that's what men do. I won't do it on my own. Can I bring my mate? Are you come and back me up here in case Pharaoh's men swing at me? And then God did something interesting. What did he do? Well, he hardened, hardened Pharaoh's heart. Poor Moses didn't stand a chance. So God commands him to go this way. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, so it was going this way. And now we have a conflict. God plays both sides of the chessboard. Why? Why would he do that? Because was this about Moses learning to become something powerful in the kingdom of God? Perhaps God was doing something to train Moses up in what? how to manage six million people for 40 years in a desert. They were the people of God, but when they left Israel, they were not the people of God. They were supposed to go to the promised land in 40 days. And instead it took 40 years. Why? Because the people of God didn't become the people of God in 40 days. They became the people of God 
in 40 years of wandering in the desert. And halfway through, do you remember the story? They started whinging. They started to complain. Oh, the garlic, the onions, the cucumbers were better back in Egypt. Can we go back? This, this manna stuff, we're getting bored of it now. There's no butter and hummus with it. And them quails, there's not much eating on them. And they come to Moses and they have this whole conversation with Moses. And Moses goes into his tent and has a conversation with God. This is how it went. God, kill me now. <laughs> it's true. Go read it. I can't do this anymore. You've given me all these people and they're just whinging and whinging and whinging. And God said, well, what do you want? Some help would help. So God gave him 72 elders to help him do it. And Moses never got the cross into the promised land. Why? Because God plays both sides of the chessboard. We live in a world that has got both good and evil, pain and pleasure. And it's inside of you. And here's the truth. We've spent most of our life trying to figure out how to become gooder. Everybody say gooder. <laughs> when what we should be doing is trying to become perfect. And you go, but John, we can't do that. Correct. But there's a way you can. What if, what if we can only be made perfect when we enter into a relationship with Jesus who makes all of that not be seen by God? And when we enter into a relationship with Jesus and we find this freedom inside of us and we start to do what he wants us to do, the goal doesn't continue about being gooder or worser. The goal becomes, how can I in this constant conflict get more love into me? What if all these negative emotions that you see in, in Cain and Abel, that you see in Adam and Eve, that you know you have, I want you to think, just for a second, what's the negative emotion that you struggle with the most? Just think about it. Go on. Some of you will say sadness. Some of you will say anger. Some of you will say disappointment. Some of you will say whatever. Some of you will, look, what about the, po the most positive emotion? You might say, well, pretty happy. Pretty joyful. Some of you might say, well, I'm not like that person sitting beside me, a negative Nancy. <laughs> and, 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 and into this, what if there's a reason inside of you that love broke in the first place? Let me go back to those Trinity relationships. We've spent, sorry, let me put it like this. Jesus spent a long time sorting out your relationship with God. Because you think you did it, eh -eh. Jesus did that for you so that you could have that. But he gave us some responsibility on earth. If a brother sins against you, go and smack him in the chin. Is that what it says? If a brother sins against you, beat him with a baseball bat. If a brother sins against you, be nice to his face and talk about him behind his back. 
If a brother sins against you, go to sleep angry every night. If a brother sins against you, don't talk to them forever and ever again. If a brother sins against you, I can never forgive him. If a brother sins against you, he don't deserve forgiveness. If a brother sins against you, he never said sorry. Do you know I see people weekly who come in and say, I can't forgive that person. And as my old mentor who's sitting out here says today, I'm not telling you you have to, but the only way out of your pain is to forgive. And we stay stuck. And when you don't give love, unconditional love, the agape love that God gave between us and man, Jesus did for you. But you have a responsibility to forgive those in your life. You have a responsibility to forgive yourself. In Matthew, it's really interesting. We read the word accuser a lot in Scripture. I think it's mentioned something like 36 times. But in Matthew, in this particular verse, it says, Settle matters quickly with your accuser, or else you will be held captive. But the word accuser there is really interesting because it's not in reference to Satan. Who do you think it's in reference to? Ourselves. Can I ask you your question? I will tell you now, Satan is not your biggest accuser, though he accuses the brethren. Do you know who your biggest accuser is? It's ourselves. And the Bible says, settle matters quickly with your accuser, or else you'll be trapped. And the worship band come back up. If you feel abnormal, if you feel downcast, if you feel depressed, it's because somewhere in your life, not that sin has overtaken you, it's that love broke. And if love's broken inside of you, in any relationship you have, you will continue on a path of of destruction and negative emotions. That's what will come out of you. Think about the people you know who are like that. But if we want to walk more normal, there's a way that God set this up. It requires two things to start with. The first thing is, my old mentor used to say it, admit it and quit it. You've got to confess what you feel. Let me tell you what confession isn't, all right? See that, see that fella? What he did was terrible. He did this, 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 and this. And he did this, 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 and this, and he keeps on doing that, and, 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 and that's it. That, that isn't confession. Telling God what somebody else did is not confession, Okay? But what if confession was, when he did that, this is how it made me feel. And you tell the person how you feel about what they did. Because you can't change that person from doing that. All you can change is the effect that it has on you. 
And in telling and confessing how you really feel, which is called the truth, by the way. Many of you know that Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the... Well, what happens when the truth inside of you is really bad? Because as you already noticed, there's a lot of that in us. Confessing the truth, no matter how terrible it is, is the first step in getting more normal. When that person hurt me and I tell them how they made me feel, not to their face, by the way, that doesn't, don't do that, it's not good. But, but you communicate here and you say, hey, what you did caused so much pain. But today, I'm going to go the love route rather than the bitter route. In order to move from abnormality to normal, I am going to forgive you. I'm going to let go of all the hurt and pain that you gave me. Today, I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to cancel the debt that, 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 that you owe me. And then I'm going to do something that is very difficult for people to do. How do you accept the person who hurt you? How do you accept them the way they are? Is that not what Jesus did for us? Did he not accept you the way you are? How do you accept? How do you accept yourself if you're accusing yourself? How do you surrender? How do you let go? How do you give up? How do you stop fighting? And ultimately, how do you give that person love? Unconditional love. Should they never love you back or not? That's the call of God in our lives. If you feel abnormal today, if you feel left out, lonely and afraid, if you feel abandoned by people, if you feel let down by whoever, you will always feel like Cain. And what did God say about him? From this day on, you'll be known as a restless wanderer. How many of you feel like a restless wanderer? Wandering aimlessly in the world today, hoping beyond hope that somewhere along the way, things will change. If you feel like a restless wanderer, there's a place for you today to understand something that if you fix the trinity of relationships inside of you with love, you will actually, in this whole world, become a little bit more normal. And who doesn't need more normal in their life? God loves us too much to leave us the way that we are. And what do we do? Come to church, we hold on to our grudges because nobody in Northern Ireland has a grudge whatsoever. And we, we fight with it and we fight ourselves. Great to have a great relationship with God. I'm all for it. If you don't know him today, let me introduce you to him. But there's other relationships that affect that relationship, relationship with each other and relationship with yourself. If you cannot forgive people and you cannot forgive yourself, you will definitely feel abnormal. Join us over the next three weeks as we look at this. Going a bit more deeper next week. I'm going to invite our prayer ministry team up now. And it is important. I want to say this. If you're sitting out there and you're going, I am definitely abnormal, which by the way is all of you, but I'm more abnormal than the other person because that's what we do. 
I actually think God has given us this incredible tool in this church to help abnormal people become slightly more normal. Is that not what becoming a disciple is? Is that not what God wants for us? Why don't you stand? Our ministry team are here. If you want to be a little bit more normal today, we'd love to pray for you, stand with you. If you've got kids, go get them. We're going to worship for a moment. And I know kids will go crazy and all of that. But just spend a moment and ask the Lord, where does my abnormality lie? Is it in unforgiveness and not loving? Or is it in sinfulness that I can never get over? What if the answer isn't to get over your sin anymore? What if the answer is to take a look at where you don't love? We'll be back next week to continue more. Done.